Good morning. Our scripture readings today recount stories, stories of God calling a person into relationship with himself. In our Old Testament reading, we heard the story of how God grabbed a hold of a young man named Samuel, calling him repeatedly. Samuel would become one of the greatest prophets, the kingmaker of the Old Testament. And then our New Testament reading from the Gospel of John, uh, we hear described how Jesus calls two different men into relationship with himself, Philip and then Nathaniel. The Gospel reading begins with Jesus speaking two of the most important words that a person can ever hear. Two words that can totally change someone's life. Two words that if fully and truly received, demand faith and courage. Two words that invite the hearer to let go of control, to let go of self-determination, and to embrace a very peculiar way of life. What were those two words? Follow me. Follow me. Those two words define the essence of Christian discipleship. When a man or woman, boy or girl, says yes to those two words, they become a disciple. They become a follower of Jesus. There was a disciple named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian and pastor uh, during the time of the Nazis. He would eventually lose his life due to his faithful resistance to Hitler's regime. In the introduction to his classic book, The Cost of Discipleship, which was a cost he would pay himself, he speaks of a determined quest for him who is the sole object of it all, for Jesus Christ himself. Those words are very clarifying. They remind us that the quest of discipleship is not for personal happiness. It is not for inner peace. It is not for emotional healing. Those things may come, but the quest is for Jesus. As Bonhoeffer says, he is the sole object of it all. This morning, I want to take us back to some basics. What is Christianity all about? Why do we come to church? Why do we do these things? And I don't mean those as just philosophical questions. How would you answer that for yourself? Then we might have different answers coming from different places. But why are you here? What is motivating your journey of faith? What are you seeking in spirituality? I find these calling stories in the Bible, and we have lots of them in the Old and New Testament. I find them to be both inspirational, but also instructive. Because they have a way of reorienting us to the most essential elements of our faith. You go back to the beginning of something, you really see what is it all about. We heard three calling stories today. Samuel, and then Philip, and then Nathaniel. But I want to focus on the last one, Nathaniel from John chapter 1. Because in his encounter with Jesus, we have some very helpful insights to take us back to the basics and to show us what discipleship is really about. So let me pray, and then we will look at our text. Father, thank you for this chance to gather around your word. We don't take it for granted. We are here freely. We are here, here safely. 
We are in a place, Lord, where you speak through your word. And that's what we ask that you would do today. Speak to us as a church. Speak to each and every individual. Lord, let none of your words fall to the ground. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in John chapter 1, uh, verses 43 through 51, if you'd like to follow along in your own Bibles. And the passage begins with Jesus finding a man named Philip. Uh, Philip then goes and finds Nathanael. Side note, those who are found by Jesus find others for Jesus. Andrew, we know, did that for his brother Peter. Philip does that for his friend Nathanael. When he finds Nathanael, Philip says to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now in response to that, Nathanael's going to have three different kind of responses. First is skepticism. Second is a personal encounter. And third is this invitation by Jesus to greater things. Each of those responses gives us some of these insights into discipleship. So let's take a look at each one. The first is skepticism. After hearing this declaration that they have found the one predicted in the Old Testament, the Messiah, Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Nathanael was a Jew, and so he wasn't rejecting the concept that there could be and would be a Messiah. What he was skeptical about was that the Messiah would have anything to do with this backwater town of Nazareth. At that time, the population of Nazareth was between 600 and 2,000, so pretty small. It seems that he was having a hard time imagining that God, his anointed king, would come from this insignificant place. Furthermore, we learn later that Nathanael is from a neighboring town of Cana, just a few miles up the hill from Nazareth. And so there may have been a bit of rivalry going on, a little bit like East Side and West Side or Chapel Hill and Durham. Surely the Messiah wouldn't come from that town. So it reminds us, Nathaniel's first response, that not everyone responds to Jesus with acceptance and faith. Nathaniel didn't when he first heard it. Later in this gospel, in John's gospel, right at the end, we'll have another disciple, Thomas, who heard about the resurrection, and he had his own doubts. Lots of examples of doubting disciples. Well, in response to his friend's skepticism, uh, Philip doesn't argue with him. He's not combative. He's not rude. He simply extends an invitation. Come and see. Come and see for yourself, Nathaniel. Just meet him and then make up your own mind. It's a very wise and gracious response for us to model with skeptical friends or family who we want to see Jesus, we want to bring him to him, but we we know we don't have the power to argue them into faith, just come and see. Perhaps you can relate to Nathaniel and his skepticism. You have your own questions, you have your own doubts, maybe you consider yourself inside the faith, a Christian, maybe you don't. But either way, you you have these questions and doubts. Perhaps you sometimes wonder, can anything good come out of Christianity? Anything good come out of the church, out of religion? You may be aware of lots of not good things that come out of church and that come out of organized religion. You may have been personally burned 
by a church in the past or by a Christian leader or a Christian friend. So what do you do if you are skeptical of Christianity or you have serious questions about it? Well, here's what you don't need to do. You don't need to get rid of your skepticism. You don't need to get rid of all your questions before taking a closer look at Jesus. Nathaniel didn't. You can bring all of your questions and all of your doubts to Jesus. You can bring them all to church. You can bring them all to this church. Sometimes there's this false assumption that those who follow Jesus have all their questions answered and they have no doubts. That is simply untrue. I have lots of unanswered questions, but they don't keep me from faith. They don't keep me from following Jesus. On the contrary, it is those very questions sometimes that fuel and motivate my discipleship. The recently deceased pastor and writer, Tim Keller from New York City, he wrote this, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. A little doubt can do us some good if it makes us seek the truth, if it causes us to come a little closer to Jesus, to ask some genuine questions. So perhaps you consider yourself a skeptical person. You have doubts, you have questions. Those need not disqualify you from a life of faith. My encouragement to you would be the same that Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. Just draw a little closer, gather some more information, gain some of your own personal experience, and then make up your own mind. If you're in church today, you're already doing that. If you're listening to this sermon online, you're doing that. One additional step you might consider that Steve mentioned was our Alpha Course. It is perfectly designed as a place to bring questions, to bring skepticism, to bring doubt, and to talk it out with other people, some of whom will have strong faith commitments, some of whom won't. Lots of different perspectives, a wonderful place to come and see. So that's the first response of Nathaniel was skepticism. But a second response is from this personal encounter that he has with Jesus. So Philip brings him to Jesus, and when Jesus sees Nathanael coming towards him, he makes a statement about his character, about his personality. He says, behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, quite naturally, Nathanael's surprised. Somebody he has never met has made statements about his character. And so he says to Jesus, how do you know me? To which Jesus answers, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And that immediately resonates with Nathanael. His eyes are open, and he professes faith in Jesus, saying, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, what happened to Nathanael to change his mind so quickly from skepticism to this incredible declaration? Well, he had a personal, supernatural encounter with Christ. Now, we don't know the circumstances, but Jesus had supernatural knowledge of something in Nathaniel's life involving a fig tree. One scholar suggests that a fig tree was a place of prayer, of study, and could also be uh, associated with the home. And so it may be that the fig tree represented something intimate, something personal or private for Nathaniel. What might that be? Well, maybe it was a painful moment in his life. Maybe under a fig tree, Nathaniel offered a prayer in anguish. 
Or maybe it was something positive. Maybe God revealed himself to Nathaniel in a particular way associated with the fig tree. Maybe that morning he was doing his Bible study under a fig tree, feeling the joy of the Lord. Whatever it was, Jesus, this man from the backwater town of Nazareth, just said to Nathaniel, I saw you there. It's Jesus' way of saying to him, I know you. I love you. I am not some distant God off beyond the clouds. I am close to you. I know the circumstances of your life, and I want to be involved. When God encounters us in such a way, when we realize that God cares about me, that he loves me, that all those Bible stories and promises, they are true for me, it can flip a switch in our soul pretty quickly. And we can find ourselves like Nathaniel, filled with a sudden rush of faith and wonder and worship. Some of you have had those kind of encounters with God. Maybe it was a personal encounter with God that began your own journey of discipleship. You heard Jesus saying, follow me through some kind of personal experience where God showed up in the circumstances of your life. Those are precious moments, life-changing moments. It's good to remember those, to thank God for those encounters. They don't happen all the time. If they did, they wouldn't be special. So when they happen, we cherish them. But we also allow them to do what they're meant to do, which is to propel us forward to Jesus, to, to engage us in this life of discipleship. Sometimes we can get so focused on the experience that we forget the one behind the experience. So by all means, enjoy those magical moments of God breaking into your life, but let them lead you to the magician, because he is infinitely more interesting than any of his tricks. Now, not everyone has that kind of dramatic personal encounter with God as part of their faith experience. Maybe you have something that is just a little bit less dramatic, maybe a little bit less supernatural. Sometimes people call these God winks or a coincidence that's not a coincidence, the perfect timing of some event in your life, God's protection from a dangerous circumstance, His provision of a job, a relationship, some other blessing. These kind of things may be less dramatic, but they are no less personal. Anytime God shows up in the circumstances of our lives, it's a good and beautiful thing. He is reminding us that He knows us and that He loves us. Some of you might be in a place right now where you need that kind of thing. You need a fig tree moment. You need Jesus to make his presence known in your life. It is okay to seek him, to ask him for that. The Psalms are filled with these kind of prayers. Psalm 86, verse 17, show me a sign of your favor. Psalm 70, verse 1, make haste, O God, to deliver me. That's basically saying, hurry up, God. Psalm 71, verse 12, O God, be not far from me. Those are good and honest prayers on the lips of a disciple. Do not be ashamed to pray those. So first, Nathaniel's skeptical. Second, he has this personal encounter that changes everything. But there's a third key moment in Nathaniel's call to discipleship, which is this invitation to greater things. After Nathanael's declaration of faith, uh, Jesus has a curious response. This is verse 50, if you're following along. Jesus says, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? 
you will see greater things than these. So Jesus is not diminishing the personal encounter that Nathaniel just had. Fig tree experiences are powerful. But he is saying, Nathaniel, what you have discovered about me, that I have supernatural knowledge about your life, that I care about your personal circumstances, this is only the beginning. This is only the icing on the cake. I have so much more to show you. You will see greater things than these if you follow me. And then Jesus follows that with an absolutely audacious statement about himself. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. First note those little words, you will see heaven opened. Anytime heaven is opened, that is a major revelation of God. Jesus is saying, I am a major revelation of God. But then Jesus follows it by talking about the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's referring to himself. This is a reference back to a story from Genesis chapter 28 involving Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, who would later be renamed Israel after whom the whole nation is named. Now, one evening on a particularly low moment in Jacob's life, he had a powerful revelation of God in a dream. In the dream, there was a ladder. The top of the ladder was in heaven, the bottom of it on earth, and there were angels ascending and descending this ladder. The Lord God spoke to Jacob and reaffirmed his covenant with him. Jacob was so overwhelmed with the experience of the presence and the glory of God that he renamed that place where he had the dream, where he saw the ladder. He called it Bethel, the house of God. Jesus is taking all of that, but he's now applying it to himself. He is saying, Nathaniel, I am the ladder. I am the one connecting heaven and earth. I am the one revealing God on earth. I am the one making the new covenant. I am Bethel the meeting place of God on earth. And if you follow me, Nathaniel, you will see all of this and more. Jesus wants to reveal greater things. He says to Nathaniel, I have seen you, but now I want you to see me. I've revealed circumstances about your life, but now I want to reveal to you more about my life. I have met you under your tree, the fig tree, but now I want you to meet me at my tree, which is a very different kind of tree, a tree shaped like a cross, a tree that defines the life of anyone who would follow Jesus. What is the end goal of discipleship? It's not a more fulfilled life or peace of mind or personal happiness. Those things may come like fringe benefits, but they are not the point. What is discipleship? Bonhoeffer reminds us it is a determined quest for him who is the sole object of it all. We need more of Jesus, not more of ourselves. There are so many false spiritualities out there that offer you not Jesus, although they might seem vaguely Christian, but they're offering you just more of yourself. This passage reminds us that Jesus wants to offer us more of himself. He has so much more to show us, so much that he wants to reveal. And a life of discipleship is all about that revealing. It's not a static thing. It's not a one and done. It's not a box you check, a card you sign, or a hand you raise. That might be a beginning point, but it keeps going. Discipleship is dynamic, it's active, it's daily, it calls forth faith and courage. 
because by definition, it is following a person. And friends, he is always on the move, taking us further up and further in, into his glory. He is the meeting place of heaven and earth. Do you want more of that? More in 2024. It's got a nice ring to it. Do you want to see the greater things in the year ahead? Jesus has two words for us. They are an invitation. They are a command. Follow me. Let's pray. Lord, those words are offered in grace, for we do not deserve them. And yet you offer them to us, this invitation to salvation, to sanctification, to a life of adventure and faith. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for everyone in this room, wherever we are as a starting point, that you would renew us to that call this morning, that we would find them alive and fresh, Jesus speaking to us those words, follow me, and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to answer with a life of faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.